0: Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com Use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make Dad's Day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the Dad's Want Steak. That's omahasteaks.com promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. Welcome, everyone, to roto Fantasy
1: Sports Today, obviously, or I guess the roto Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm already doing my serious you XM. Got, the XM. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go, Jake. I'm, I'm all ready to go. I mean, we have training camp now starting live for a lot of people. We got plenty of news, actually, shockingly, uh, for today that's happened over the past couple hours. I'm sure as more people and players and teams report training camp, there might be more information that trickles out. But still plenty more to talk about it's also going to be i think an interesting theme for a lot of people uh we have identified 10 late round sleepers uh guys that you could invest with one of your last picks that type of deal um, from a value perspective too so lots and lots to cover for today's show let's go ahead and hit it <laughs> Again, welcome, everyone, to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Joe Barlow. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Alongside me, every Tuesday moving forwards, Jake Letarsky. You can follow him at Roto Jake. Uh, I'm sorry, I guess not on Twitter. It's on X now, right? Uh, you can follow us on X, and that's not a weird <laughs> drug thing that we get to do. So that's cool. The domain cool. name still says Twitter.com
2: until that changes. Until it's X.com and they compete with all the adult sites, we're going to call it
1: Twitter.com. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we have that clarification. Let's get uh, that out of the way right here. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, please. Plenty of news that has already occurred over the past couple hours of teams have reported the training camp. We also have 10 late round flyers, uh, sleeper candidates, whoever you want to talk about. We got people in the chat already mentioning their favorite flyers, too. I'm loving it. Some uh, Luke Schoonmaker talk. How dare they uh, disrespect our Jake Ferguson, our UW-Madison boy over at the Cowboys. But lots there to uh, uncover, or at least to go over. We have position by position. Excited for all that. Before we dive in, let's get a word from our sponsor, Circus Sports. Get ready for more millions guaranteed. It's the biggest pro football contest in Vegas, and they're back. And bigger than ever, with $14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. Enter Nevada, play from anywhere. There's two ways to win and no, wake, uh, no rake. You play Circa Million, you make five picks against the spread each week with 100 Payback to players. The grand finale winner takes home $1 million last place. Takes home a $100,000 booby prize with quarterly and full season payouts as well. $6 million in guaranteed prizes. Join Circus Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entry is eliminated. Each team can only be picked once in the season. You can go 20 and nothing or 0 20 and be the last person standing in either one. $8 million uh, guaranteed prizes across all those. $14 million in guaranteed total. Visit circusports.com for more details. All right. I have mentioned it, Jake, lots <laughs> you, you of different said
2: booby prize. I'm sorry. I can't get over. Well, this.
1: isn't it? A, I mean, that's, that's right. It's, it's not, it's not a Bobby prize. I always have to correct oh, yeah, myself because yeah, yeah, my yeah. brain says, no, no, no,
2: no last place. Uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. But, uh, Oh, that's awesome. I, I think when I think of Vegas and I think of that, I'm thinking something totally different.
1: Ah, yes. I, I see. We still have your gutter left there from two, two weeks ago yep. when we were on the uh, Roto-Wire Vegas retreat in Circus Sports, which was awesome. But I mentioned we had, we had news already occurred today. Absolutely. Really early in the morning, Saquon Barkley uh, signs a one year deal with the Giants. I'm not sure if we've seen the reports yet as to what will happen next year. And I think that's kind of most important if you're playing dynasty mm-hmm. or keeper league formats, um, because there's all these uh, – the, the shoddy reporting out there saying, yeah. hey, uh, well, he could still do a franchise tag. He could still get franchise tagged even even if this deal didn't happen. Like yeah. we saw it with Kirk Cousins, right? Respectfully, he had two separate franchise tags, couldn't have the third. And that's when he ends at the Vikings. Saquon Barkley could have still gotten franchise tagged next year. Mm-hmm. And it would have been like an eighteen million or whatever, like twenty five percent of the previous one yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't really care about the semantics of his current deal uh, that we have. I think it was uh, just over one million more than what the franchise tag was offered mm-hmm. to running backs this season. And, and so he has whether- to
2: earn it in incentives basically yeah. it, it sets up for this entire scenario to just play out again next year right are they they're going to want a franchise tag and he's not going to want a franchise tag but at least this buys him some time if he doesn't perform well the team has more leverage if he hits all of these incentives which i think the incentives are to get an extra one basically it's the franchise tag and then he can earn a million bucks if he gets 1300 yards 11 touchdowns 65 receptions he got the yards and the touchdowns last year it was just on the receptions. so uh I mean, I, I, I guess good for him. This still seems like the team won, right? Because you're basically franchise-tagging him, and if you have to pay out the incentives, that means he had a good year, right? And, uh, you know, I tie this back to the Saquon Barkley versus Jonathan Taylor debate, the 4-5 ADP. I think Saquon's going to pass him an ADP now. There's there's some— I would some, agree. Um. Yep, now that there's certainty there. I also think that, um. you know, the worry I had before was, you know— What if he plays on the franchise tag and just dogs it or gets a fake injury? That's not going to happen now because he'll want his million bucks. Um, So, yeah, I I bumped Saquon up to RB4 at this point. I'd probably – I don't know. I'm still a little shaky on BJ, and I'm not quite sold there. So um, things are going to get real interesting in those top three.
1: Well, it's (coughs) compelling. We talked about last week both Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor we liked a lot. I'll still take Nick Chubb over Saquon Barkley. Obviously, the ADP says you don't have to. I bet you Barkley climbs in that late first-round category, whereas Nick Chubb is still – uh, if he is the last first-round pick, fine, but typically 14, 15, 16. It's Jonathan Taylor uh, who's a little bit – it's ambiguous situation. He was part of that uh, infamous running back meeting group uh, that they had on Zoom or wherever it was this past week where they talked about their contracts. And uh, clearly the powers that be decide, well, it's his cave, right, because Barkley ends up signing that deal shortly after. We'll see what happens with Josh Jacobs. Uh, Tony Power wasn't included in that conversation yeah. for – Funny Barclay must have
2: himself a hell of an insurance policy because if he blows in the out for the second time, his career is done and he never touches that multi year deal. So, uh, yeah, it's just tough. It seems like an ownership one situation here. Our running backs continue to lose, but I, yeah, I, did, see a, more.
1: I, I did see a report that Barkley is already set to make $7 million in. Uh, sponsorships this year. Mm-hmm. And and like there, maybe there's that New York market that can help uh, with the sponsorships more so. And obviously, sure. you're not making that money if you're not playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a twofold thing. But I, I would agree with you. Uh, it sets the stage for the same conversation to occur next year. So that was... One bit of news. We had plenty more uh, occur throughout the day. I guess I'll I'll go order importance, not our sheet here, uh, Jake. (laughs) Canaries Tony had surgery to clean up a knee injury. He's expected to miss most of training camp. The report is he could, and I'm putting this in parentheses for the non-viewer group, he could be ready for week one. Boy, given Kadarius Tony's uh, status throughout his career thus far, that he has another surgery and that there's more ambiguous time frames, this is this is a pretty brutal blow mm-hmm. for a receiver that was being drafted for seven, eight rounds, much like uh, Traylon Burks, who also got really impacted the uh, DeAndre Hopkins signing just this past Sunday. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you know, it's amazing how the Chiefs offense comes together here, and of course, when you have to pay Mahomes that kind of contract, you know, you're not able to afford the super high-priced, flashy receiver talent here. I mean, that depth chart is Kadarius, Tony, Valdez-Scantling, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice. We know what Valdez-Scantling is, you know, kind of a glorified deep threat at best. He's never going to be a guy that consistently moves the chains. Sky Moore disappointed, you know, considerably um, early on, and now Rasheed Rice is interesting. I mean, all this really does for me, I was staying away from Tony at that ADP anyway. If it wasn't this injury, it was going to be the next injury and yeah. now we're already talking about him missing pop could be back for week one that doesn't sound super optimistic here you know he he steps off the bus wrong and he's you know could be back by week four now so um i i'm just i'm, I'm not buying it at this point if anything it feeds more into the take kelsey number one overall argument because he's gonna eat again he's gonna eat and um yeah i i wasn't taking tony before i'm definitely not taking him now because even the discount that he's gonna get is gonna be still too steep a price for my blood
1: yeah, I'm not considering it either. Uh, you mentioned one of our top 10 sleepers. We've had more come in the chat. Uh, Khalil Shakir, somebody mentioned. Devin A. Chain, again, the rookie running back for the Dolphins. And Dolphin Cook, he's yet to sign. Maybe that's an interesting one, too. We're going to get to our list of 10 uh, sleeper late round ish selections a little bit later in the show, just going through a bit more of the news that happened thus far today. We had Michael Thomas. Uh, I feel like we get a yearly report around this time, Jake, uh, end of July, early August saying, Hey, he's good to go. He's healthy. Uh, this with Michael Thomas's toe injury, he set the practice for the saints. The same goes for Juju Smith Schuster. Now on his new team, he's good to go with his knee injury. I think both were expected uh, yep. worth pointing out. I, I forget the um, blanking on the saints main beat writer, but doesn't actually, he has his own site now. Uh, Nick Underhill, I think is his name, Okay, has been uh, adamantly like every sort of uh, banner type of statement you can make saying, I will take Michael Thomas in fantasy football this year. I'm not sure how much Nick Underhill is playing fantasy or if he's aware of where Michael Thomas is ADP, but he has been pounding the drums and then some. So it's interesting. I mean, we've we've had, I think, three consecutive seasons where, oh, you could maybe consider Michael Thomas uh, in this range, but theoretically – this is the best the offense has been post Drew Brees. Now with Derek Carr as your starting quarterback, they have Chris Olave, who I like a lot as well too. Uh, any interest in Michael Thomas in fantasy this year? Yeah, I mean the interest is mild,
2: and, it's, and the interest I would say is rising. He's still thirty years old, and if he if 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 he is actually healthy here, you know he's got some of the best uh, you know some of the best hands in the game, running some of the best routes in the game. We forget that he was the number one fantasy player. You know not all that long ago so uh, yeah my interest is growing I got burned by him last year um burned by him you know probably the year before too it's been uh but I mean early on in the year I mean he's, I'm looking at last year's game luck he scored three times in the first two games five six and five receptions so there's something there's something in there in the tank here and I think uh, I would say sure maybe Derek Carr gives him a little bit better chance to succeed than if they were rolling in with James Winston
1: Okay. You have Chase Claypool for the Bears now coming off the pup list is expected to yeah. practice Wednesday. I mean, it's Justin Fields who uh, you say what you yeah. want as a runner.
2: There's no wide receiver three in that. Yeah.
1: Moment. I mean, Darnell Mooney also got cleared too, which I think actually hurts the Claypool part more. But mm-hmm. if one of those guys were to go down, I think the other benefits, I actually drafted Mooney uh, in the Rotowire Vegas draft is like a 10th or 11th round selection. It's a full point PPR thing. And that's where I have Mooney a bit more valuable, but we're not too far off of when Claypool had 10 plus touchdowns for the Steelers. Like he, he has that athleticism if he's used correctly. I just have concerns. The bears offense can actually utilize him correctly. Yeah, exactly.
2: And, and you know what Claypool's done since then, you know, it it, it makes that 10 touchdown thing look more and more fl- fl- fluky every, every single year that goes by.
1: Yeah. It smells a little bit like uh Robert Tunyon for the Packers that one year, a little <laughs> yeah, bit I like that. So. Uh, Amari Cooper is not gonna be practicing yet with an undisclosed, undisclosed injury. T- oh my God. Undisclosed injury, typically when that happens, when there isn't information dis- disclosed, it's it's not serious, right? Because if it was, reporters would find a way. Uh, but just worth noting, given his ADP as kind of the third, fourth round wide receiver and optimism uh, with now one year of Deshaun Watson in the practice regimen for the, the Browns, theoretically that offense should improve. We've talked about Nick Chubb plenty as well. Mari Cooper is going to be a big part of the Browns overall operating uh, as expected. And the other part uh, or, other one to mention, Jimmy Graham uh, signed a contract with the Saints. I had to literally do a double take, uh, Jake. I thought when you put that in the, the spreadsheet, you were just like joking. Like, this is like a fake thing. Yep. Nope. Jimmy Graham, 36 year old Jimmy Graham of like five years ago yep. actually being fantasy relevant, signed a contract with the Saints, who already have Foster Moreau, uh, have Juwan Johnson, who a lot of people like, have Taysom Hill, who does weird stuff, uh, technically qualifies as a tight end for fantasy purposes. I uh I would be sooner expecting that to be a one-day retirement <laughs> yeah. signing than no, he actually be factoring this the season. Yeah.
2: And then I was and then I was like, "Oh, and Antonio Gates signed with the Chargers and Jeremy Shockey <laughs> signed with the Giants, right?"
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, exactly. Um n- not likely um for that to occur. So, just a bit of news and notes that have occurred of course today and obviously more information will trickle out as teams report to training camp. Um Let's stop for a second, Jake, get a word from our sponsors, Blue Wire, before we dive into some of our favorite late round spots, again, at quarterbacks here in just a second.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
0: Before history is written, (laughs) it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
1: All right, we're back and talking about our late round uh, flyer picks, whatever. I want to be clear to the audience and to you, Jake, that when we were first tossing this idea around, Late round to me meant like seventh round running back or uh, 13th QB or 13th round QB. Like I wasn't thinking literally if we're doing a best ball or underdog, it's like 18th round. I wasn't thinking along those lines. So I had to change my trajectory on the answers a little bit. That's going to matter for running backs uh, somewhat. But just understand, for me, the answer to this question is a lot of a philosophical how I'm structuring the team, what I want it to look like. You're going to hear this repeatedly, Jake. I know the audience who was listening throughout the offseason with me and Jim Coventry have heard of plenty before. I will be taking a quarterback within the first six rounds. I will be taking a quarterback uh, among that first seven. So I don't really need late-round QBs. They're not of interest to me, uh, and I think they all are kind of the same. But to play out this exercise, I did pick a few guys that I thought yeah. could maybe exceed their expectation to get to be top 12 mm-hmm. quarterback status. I want to talk about your guy first, though, because he's technically not even starting And yet I like the idea of him being a true sleeper.
2: Yeah, so we'll we'll do this by position like we plan to do when we get to our our waiver wire show later this year. So we'll start out with some quarterbacks. And I know that you like to – your whole philosophy was to do an early on quarterback. And um, this is one of those things that for me – okay, after the Super Bowl is done – I have to dial into college basketball a little bit. And then I'll be honest. I take a little bit of a month or two break from uh, you, you know from the football news cycle. And this is one of those picks that made taking that break from the news cycle seem worth it because I come in now at the end of July in a fresh perspective. And I see Mr. Ted Talks has spoiled the guy I'm about to discuss. <laughs> um, I come in now at the end of July with a fresh perspective. And I look at all the 49ers news. And I look at our 49ers depth chart. And I'm like, wait a minute. Brock Purdy is the starter, and Sam Darnold is listed on there. We have, you know, maybe that could be up for debate. And then Trey Lance is number three. And I'm like, hmm. So what the heck happened here? What happened to the guy that the 49ers used multiple first round assets to move up and require? What happened to the guy that was, what did I have it here? QB twelve top one hundred overall in ADP last season. And that was when he wasn't even starting, mind you. That was uh pretty much Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo starting off the season, you know? Where did all that hype go? I, I I don't know what happened to all that hype. Yes, yeah, he broke his leg. He broke his leg in week two. Brock Purdy tore his ucl and had tommy john like after the playoffs right so lance is going to get a lot of those reps early on where purdy sits out spring practice we'll see what he's available and doing and throwing here and you know i guess you know even even before lance had that finger thing that may have affected his accuracy a little bit sure if, if you want to concede that brock purdy is a more accurate passer than trey lance that is absolutely fine but i think every other aspect of the game and physical talent trey lance trey lance has enough to win this job yes it's odd to me that they paid Sam Darnold four and a half million to be a backup third string, but maybe that's just overreacting to last year having to go to their backup third string situation here. Um, I just don't understand why Trey Lance is sitting all the way down at QB thirty three, two forty three overall. I took him as my third quarterback and Scott Fishbowl, knowing that it would take a little while longer, you know, for for him to maybe develop or win that job. Or guess what? Maybe, where does that, what happens to that ADP if he's taking every first team rep in camp in a starting preseason and sits the last preseason game here? What happens to that ADP then? Does it literally cut in half? Right now, in late July, you can get him at QB 33, and I think. Um,
1: free. And, I mean, yeah. you could literally yeah, get him free. free.
2: He's nothing. So you take him as the last pick in your draft, and guess what? If it doesn't turn out that way, you drop him and pick up Derek Carr the week before the start of the season. You know, you drop him and pick up, you know, a, any number of guys. Sam Howell even. You know, you know what, whatever. Uh so there's no risk here. And the potential for gross growth, growth is just absolutely amazing. And do I need to mention his offense is absolutely stacked. Right? You know, you they have McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell's around. Debo Samuel Brandon Ayuk. Hell of a one two George Kittle. <laughs> this this team is is incredibly stacked i don't know what happened to all that hype if you were a fan of his hype maybe you got burned last year you can't overreact to that you got to come right back right back to the well otherwise you're going to miss these this whole idea of trey lance coming to fruition so well, let's let's give some context shot
1: free quarterback that's the guy Let, let's give some context dude. so so brock purdy obviously has the tommy jump injury during that playoff loss to the eagles um evidently uh, throwing the football isn't as tenuous as throwing a baseball because when you hear Tommy John surgery for baseball, oh, that guy's out almost two years, right? Like it's instantaneous. But we had reports all the way back in like March saying, no, no, I think Brock Purdy's going to be ready for training camp. You're like, what? How is is that possible as somebody that knows both football and baseball? But that continued throughout June and July. And yeah, the Sam Darnold signing is what it is. But now we've gotten to the point in the offseason where the 49ers brass, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan are saying – Purdy is going to be the starter week one. We're expecting he's going to be healthy. There's no situation where he wouldn't be, which seems too aggressive when you think about having the number three overall pick and Trey Lance and uh, the trade that they did to acquire him. But if they think Purdy's going to be healthy, I don't. I, I just truly, I can't. I can't fathom that. If they think Purdy's going to be healthy, I guess what he did over that final month, two months of the season, probably makes him the number one starter. Trey Lance is a really good athlete, but if Kyle Shanahan's gonna just put him in a spot where he gets injured, then sure. I don't I don't see a scenario where he makes it through. This is now two consecutive seasons in which Trey Lance has had a season-ending injury because Kyle Shanahan's done dumb stuff with him. I I I believe at one point the 49ers are going to go to Trey Lance because Brock Purdy is gonna be not very good or ineffective. We're gonna find out uh he really was just being a pumpkin in a Cinderella season <laughs> a Cinderella two months or whatever it is. But I'm not sure Trey Lance is that guy right now. And this is coming from somebody who took him in the Superflex draft at roto uh, the Vegas draft, as my last selection. Like, I think it, it doesn't hurt because it is your last selection. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see the dividends pay off. And actually, I kind of feel like where we were having Justin Fields conversations midpoint last season on the Free Agent Wave Aware podcast because he was under 30% rostered, he just sucked for those first two months. I could see a similar scenario occurring with Trey Lance. Like, I bet you by end of season, he's playing for fantasy lamps. But I'm not sure beginning the season
2: he No, is. that's fair. Yeah, then that's actually the best argument against this, right? The best argument against drafting Trey Lance is that, well, you can just pick him up in week six, seven, or eight, right? And that's what I see. I mean – you talk about 49ers brass kind of giving those hints toward Purdy. I'm looking through all our player news. I mean, we have hints from John Lynch in May that Purdy will be the favorite to start once he's healthy. We also have quotes from Kyle Shanahan that say, he is quote, the best we've seen him right now in referring to Trey Lance. When you watch Lance's feet, his timing, his throwing the ball, he's such a better place now than he was last year at this time. Um, so there's praise coming all around and uh, I think there could be a little bit of gamesmanship here. So yeah, maybe not the start of the season.
1: Maybe not. But How about, um, how about- damning praise by Nick Bosa who had a tweet or a comment yesterday that said Justin Fields is the best running quarterback I've ever seen that, that should be that should be insulting to Trey Lance how dare, how dare that happen
2: yeah exactly you just needed some bulletin board material from his own team right?
1: <laughs> from his own teammate yeah um,
2: okay but that's enough on Trey Lance I mean you guys get the picture right Everyone seemed right. to forget who he was and what he was going to be suddenly he's injured Mr. Irrelevant literally the last pick in the draft comes in has a nice little run and now it's not the guy they traded all that draft capital for okay not quite believing that yet.
1: Um, Obviously, we're trying to go 10 late round sleepers. And we've talked about my quarterback uh, decisions and at least trying to avoid those. I'm cheating by throwing like three guys into the same bucket to Mm -hmm. fit our 10. So these are bonus quarterbacks for you. We actually had a couple already mentioned in the chat. Uh, Uncle Ted Talks had said, Jordan Love, yes, he's among my group of sleepers right now. He's ADP of 156. Uh, on a recent NFFC drafts, quarterback 20. I also like Derek Carr, who I took in the fourth round of a Superflex League uh, that we did again at Vegas. He's quarterback 19, ADP of 156. And I'll also throw in Sam Howell too. The theme between Carr and Howell is that they're, I think, decent quarterbacks. We all talk about Brock Purdy and how he was able to emerge. At one point in his college football career, he was being talked about as a possible first-round selection. What everyone seems to forget is so was Sam Howell. And he was a fifth-round pick last year, started that final game of the season. I didn't think looked bad. He's got uh, Terry McLaurin, obviously uh, Jahan Dotson. I think that offense overall, especially with the new Chiefs offensive coordinator, kind of making things a bit better with the talent they have, is going to be good. So I like Sam Howell and Derek Carr if you really are targeting a quarterback too. And Jordan Love, it's just the unknown. Like I think the scheme fit might be good enough with Matt LaFleur and sure he's not doing Aaron Rodgers numbers, although mm-hmm. you and I as Packer fans really hope that's yeah, the case. Yeah, exactly. Um I, I still like at at quarterback I mean, 20, the there's no downside.
2: We believe in the offense's ability to be productive, right? We know Christian Watson can be very, very good. We know another receiver on that team can be sneaky, very, very good, that we'll talk about later. And you know, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, they're gonna they'll be productive and that's why I believe that um you know, that uh, Jordan Love can, you know, I, I'm with you on all of these guys. Jordan Love and Derek is QB2, uh, Sam Howell, your deep, deep best ball, best ball right. candidates. That's, that's where you're looking at him now. Or, you know, uh, Howell, very similar to Lance, is free, and he could be the guy that you just pick up after a couple of good weeks, too.
1: Yeah, again, we're doing this uh, end of July. I think a lot of people listening are, are probably preparing best ball lineups, and I think Sam Howell... Uh, Jordan Love, Derek Carr, are probably best suited for those. I'm not saying go ahead and trot one of them out as your QB one if you're playing for like a or a redraft league, like a regular format. But certainly as QB twos in superflex or uh, best ball formats, I think they are. Interesting values, nevertheless. Before we transition to the running back section, I want to get a word from our sponsors, Reality Sports Online. By now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to get to see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about. Free agency. Multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract, and salary cap function. Much, much, much more. If that sounds complicated to you, it's not. Because the best thing about Rally Sports Online, fantasy front office, that doesn't take any more time than a standard league, and it just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test out your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-WIRE, to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. All right, we have plenty of different sleeper running backs flooding into the chat. Uncle uh, Ted Talks had mentioned uh, Roshan Johnson, we had the Samaj P Ryan, who every smart fantasy analyst is talking about, uh, Charbonnet. I took him in round 10 in our Vegas draft a little while ago. Uh, Chuba Hubbard. Uh, again, I mentioned Devin, a-, a-, a chain, stuff like that. I'm happy to say that our sleepers actually aren't among that group. Like we went even deeper in our <laughs> sleeper list than that. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I'm not quite really positive, but what I had said at the beginning of the show, Jake, just to be clear. I really like uh, an Elijah Mitchell in round seven or eight. I think he's going to be totally fine value, uh, even with Christian McCaffrey there. And if McCaffrey were to get hurt, you're talking about a guy that pretty much guaranteed guaranteed 1,000 rushing yards and whatever else as a pass catcher. I like Brees Hall uh, as a third-round guy. He just was cleared uh, a little while ago. He should be good to go for training camp. Say what you want about the ACL tear, stuff like that. I think with Aaron Rodgers as QB, that's that's great value. Same right. with DeAndre Swift now at the Eagles, and I think he'll win out over Rashad Penny. But none of those guys actually qualify for late round targets, and, I, and um, so even yeah. if I like them, they're they're not guys that I'd ever say, "Oh yeah, you'll be able to get them late round like that." We that's could do cool. a whole show on on, on
2: Brees Hall and talking about the history of comebacks from ACL injuries. <laughs>
1: Well, you're you're I, saying you're, you're I, not. I'm saying now. I'm
2: closer to the Allen point of view than, <laughs> than the Joe point of view. I, I'm just uh, the Allen, thing, Allen the is record. a
1: long-suffering Jets fan, so I yes. think he is right to be uh, pessimistic about what's going to happen with Brees Hall. But uh, uh, like Tank Bigsby was also mentioned. These are all really great names. I think uh, the trio of running backs that we have are probably the only trio of late-round guys that I would target, which is to say I'm almost always getting my running back four or three mm-hmm. by round 10 because I'm not liking a lot of the depth that happens afterwards. And depth is a relative term because we're all kind of rolling the dice in these players. Mm -hmm. But for example, Chase Brown, who you like, I like a lot as well too. You have to really convince yourself that this is going to be the right situation. And it's a lot like Alexander Madison in past years. Well, if Delvin cook got hurt, Mm -hmm. Madison's going to be a starter. The same concept applies to Chase Brown.
2: Yeah, so this whole segment we could talk about like if you're do you know late round flyers for running backs, but we could also call it if you're trying zero RB, if you're drafted mm. zero RB. One of the yeah, pinnacle or the pillars of that whole strategy, that whole draft strategy, is to take guys that are one break away from an opportunity, and maybe even not one break away from the opportunity because uh, Chase Brown is my selection for this case right now. He's running back fifty four, his ADP is one sixty three overall. Um, now I don't hate Joe Mixon by any means. He's not on my uh, don't draft list, or you know, we always thought we never have don't draft lists. But he's someone that I'm open to drafting. He's only 27 years old, but this is his seventh NFL season. Uh, so let's face it; he's probably getting pretty old in running back years. At the very least, we know he's probably dodging a suspension at least this season, right? For his uh, whole aggravated
1: menacing. Uh,
2: it, it sounds Brand, like it won't happen menacing. at all. I, yeah, like yeah,
1: to, exactly. to what to. It's not like the Elvin Kamara thing where Kamara was going to. It's just a matter of how long the legal process gets put up. But I I don't think anything is going to happen with that Joe Mixon situation.
2: So, you know, just bring it, just noting that whatever, again, that nothing's going to happen there. Um, And also we have to keep in mind here that the Bengals, who let Samaj Pirine walk, right? He was a viable fantasy backup, a viable starter some weeks, you know, even when some weeks, even when Nixon was healthy, Pirine had good weeks. So even after Samaj Pirine walked, the Bengals still basically gave an ultimatum to Joe Mixon to take a pay cut or get cut, right? They were comfortable, ready to lose him, even though they were, were also losing P Ryan here. So, how great of a standing is he in over there? You know, fine, he's still going to contribute. He's still the RB one, right? You can't, uh, you can't knock me there. Um, so here comes Chase Brown, right? He's a 23 year old. Uh, he's five years in college, right? Got a lot of tread on the tires, you could say, at Illinois, right? He's only got a 5'9", 209-pound frame, and that took 328 carries last year in the Big Ten at Illinois. Here's where I'll say there's actually a little bit of upside there. that You could say with that type of volume and that type of experience and the fact that he's taken 600 600- odd college carries um, that he is NFL ready, even mm-hmm. despite being five nine. So you could give it you could give him that. Again, no Samaj P. Ryan in the picture here. So it's either a mix and in injury or Samaj Piron could be a 16 team or I'm not Samaj Piron. Chase Brown could be a 16 team desperation flex um you know even in weeks that Mixon is fine. This is a high powered offense. It's going to score a lot of points. It's probably one of the best offenses in the AFC. If not the best, I assume they'll be uh, neck and neck with uh, the Buffalo Bills offense there. So there's um you know so, so basically, this is just a whole opportunity situation where you're the backup to an established guy, an established guy you were ready to move on from on an offense that's going to be very good in, uh, and a player that you know maybe doesn't have the crazy highest long term ceiling or is uh, I mean he is athletic right four 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 three forty you know above average uh, other other combine numbers there so you have a guy. Who is physically at least ready for this role? He also has some pass catching upside. Let's remember that. Uh 27, uh, he caught 27 of his 30 targets last year at Illinois. Uh doubled his previous year uh total at Illinois. So uh that's something it's a part of his game that he's growing. He clearly worked on to get to the point where he's NFL ready. Um, but basically, you know, this is the kind of running back in a situation where you just need you just need one break. And, you know, I I don't know if Mixon will play a full sixteen game season. You can never really predict that. But uh Chase Brown at this price is somebody that I'm rounding up my roster with, especially if you took Mixon earlier, uh, you definitely want to make sure you get some Chase
1: I'm going to go so far as to say, Jake, that unless you're playing in like an eight team or 10 team, and maybe you go like 14 rounds, we should never talk about Chase Brown at any point during our Tuesday show. And again, for new listeners, Jake and I every Tuesday will be going through all the different waiver wire pickups. Typically we only focus on people under 40% rostered on Yahoo. That's kind of the threshold. There should never be a point where Chase Brown should be under 40% roster. Like, I think it's too valuable. Again, we understood this concept when it was Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard and Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison. It's the same exact thing. Samaj P. Ryan played 512 offensive snaps last year when Joe Mixon was on the team. Maybe Chase Brown doesn't quite play that much. Like, I'm not sure he's as good of a pass catcher, as good of a pass blocker as Samaja P. Ryan was, but he is going to have a role in the offense guaranteed. And that's before factoring in if there's ever a Joe Mixon injury. There's no obvious one to start, like, oh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and split the workload like the Broncos did post Javante Williams injury, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. it was Melvin Gordon and pieces. It's going to be a guy like Chase Brown who had over 300 carries at the Big Ten level over the past two years. We know his body can withstand that. So I love Chase Brown in that capacity. I think it makes a lot of sense. And he'll still have some fantasy utility, especially in deeper leagues, even if Joe Mixon stays healthy the same uh, throughout the whole season. The same concept works for Jerome Ford. Uh, so his current ADP is 174, running back 57 in recent NFFC draft. I, I'm going to be really surprised, Jake, if the Browns by the end of August 28th or whatever, the end of next month, if Jerome Ford is their running back two, there's too many really good free agent running backs on the waiver wire. But if Ford is available as your running back two for the Browns, I'm gobbling him up everywhere. And I would hope much like Chase Brown, we will never mention Jerome Ford on the show because exactly. he should absolutely be rostered in more than 40% of leagues at the beginning of the season. He I, is the yep. team's kick returner, which, which makes me a little bit worried. Okay. He was really good in that capacity last season. So mm-hmm. there's always room for injury, but I I would say, if you're going to say, or I would recommend if Jerome Ford is going to be your running back too, they can find kick return production elsewhere. Like if yes. the Browns really are adamant, that's yeah. the case. Yeah. And Jerome absolutely. Ford was really good in, mm-hmm. in college. Like, uh, he had two years in Alabama where he was a bun- behind a bunch of other guys, but did fine enough in his uh, workload. But remember when Cincinnati made the playoffs, they went 13-0. He was the main runner. Uh, I think it was 1,500 total yards, 20 touchdowns. He was fantastic. Again, 4-4 uh, speed, much like Chase Brown. I'm shocked uh, that we haven't had more discussion about Jerome Ford. Uh, Jim Coventry and I throughout the entire offseason have mentioned Chase Brown and Jerome Ford religiously as our late round sleepers, clearly no one's listening because they haven't moved up their ADP much at all.
2: Exactly. It reminds me of the phenomenal baseball feature we have on the Ret website, Ryan Roof's closer in waiting cheat yeah. sheet. It, it, this is pretty much the same con- concept here. If we had a running back closer in waiting cheat sheet, Ford and Chase Brown would be some of the top options uh, on the entire list. And you know, you didn't even met- you mentioned I mean, we know Kareem Hunt's gone. We know Dearness Johnson is is gone, right? Um is Dominic Felton going to threaten Jerome Ford? Ford? No. It seems unlikely. So, um yeah, Chubb will be the workhorse. I love Chubb in all drafts here, but go Go ahead and not ju- everybody's more than a handcuff right i would snipe the chubb owner around earlier if you have to to get a guy like him and he's a perfect uh, zero rb strategy guy to be scooping up in later rounds
1: well you heard here on this uh very fishy x platform that jake does love chubb so good to note uh and certainly loves jerome ford as well too the other running back i want to mention shockingly even lower adp in nffc formats now to be clear it's full-point PPR, so maybe that factors in. Like if you were due to underdog, I bet you Gus Edwards might be a little bit higher on this one. Running back 62, ADP of 200 even, it's Gus Edwards. And I, it's the same concept, again, as uh, Tony Pollard and Ezekiel and Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook and uh, you know uh, Eli Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey. Even if Dobbins is healthy, which seems like a big if because he already had reports that he's going to be in the pup list to start the training camp. No matter how meaningless that word might mean, uh, that worries me a little bit as somebody who's already invested in Dobbins. Even if Dobbins is healthy, Edwards is going to be involved. Last season over the final eight games that he was healthy, 72 carries, 341 rushing yards, 4.7 yards per carry in those games. This isn't like Dobbins where he was shaking off the injury all year. By week 12 when he was good to go, you had Gus Edwards back. And I'm also not buying the concept that the Ravens offense is going to be dramatically different with Todd Munkin as your offensive coordinator. Yes, They're going to pass more because they they couldn't pass less than what they were doing previously. That was an awful scheme but had Pat Ricard being focused way too much, you know, things like that, triple option, dummy stuff. The offense is going to be better, but I think a better offense helps Dobbins, but also Gus Edwards to a lesser extent. I love the guys that will be immediate running back one or two flex type guys if the starter were to get hurt, but also still have production even while you're waiting for that to happen. So Chase Brown, Gus Edwards, Jerome Ford – all really fit that mold for me, and and the relatively
2: recent signing of Melvin Gordon doesn't murk anything up for you in that in, in that uh,
1: Melvin Gordon is washed, and I hate to say that as a UW man myself, but uh, he will not be on the roster at least, or he'll be like the, the practice squad,
2: bounce I, up and down. I wish him the best. I hope he runs for a thousand yards this year. Um, but anyway, Gus Edwards, he always finds a way to somehow be fantasy relevant, even after starting the season. Um, you know, very. Uh, very injured, right? And coming on late, he, um, I mean, he had a multiple touchdown game in his first game back against the Browns. He's getting a sizable, you know, 16, 11, 16, 13 there games, all different kinds of carries. So, any of those, uh, points per carry leagues, he's, he's absolutely relevant. Gus Edwards finds a way one way or another every year to, to work his way into the conversation. So, again, um, it has to be a deep league or an underdog best ball probably because uh, at ADP 200, you're probably just about filling out the roster in a standard mm-hmm. 12 team. And he could easily be someone that we talk about uh, you know, on the waiver wire show at some point during the year. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with that
1: i'm loving all the conversation we're getting in the chat right now of course we go live just about every tuesday at one o'clock we have the heart foundation and uncle Uncle ted talks both mentioning roshan johnson the rookie running back out of texas for the bears of course they have uh khalil herbert they signed Deonta foreman away as well too and yet roshan johnson i've seen discussed by from a number of people as a popular sleeper candidate too i took him in our rotowire dynasty league which is not super flex at the back end of the second round um I'll just say as a disciple of Mario Puig and John McKechnie, who do a lot of really great college football work for us, they are not nearly as enamored with Roshan Johnson as other people might be. And the track record for John and Mario tends to speak for itself. So when they say, nah, I don't know about Roshan Johnson. I don't think he's going to be it. I tend to agree too. The other one that I saw in the chat come up was—I'm uh, sorry—I I can't
2: scroll back far enough to see who mentioned it—but Malik Davis for the Cowboys. Yes, yep. I'm yep, still yep. a little bit concerned that um, that uh, you know maybe they bring Zeke back or bring somebody back mm. uh, to that offense. So that that sours me a little bit on Malik Davis. But right now, I agree that as as good as Tony Pollard is, I'm not sure he can put. He can handle a Ezekiel Elliott-type workload um, fully on his own. Uh, so Malik Davis falls more into that Chase Brown-Jerome Ford category than someone like uh, Roshan or Gus Edwards, that's for me.
1: Well, and and honestly, I'm not ready to give up the Ronald Jones experience yet. Maybe I should, uh, but he is also in that Someone backfield, Melvin too. Melvin who in the chat? Yeah. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, <laughs> Ronald Jones. What is this, 2018? Yeah. That's a bad joke. Um, yeah, but just, just something to note with Roshan Johnson, who is a very popular candidate for a lot of people when we're talking late-round sleepers. So let's get to the receivers before we do so. Word from our sponsors, fan tracks. For you fantasy football players out there, and of course everyone listening should be, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that you're missing from your current leagues? Bonus scoring, custom schedules or playoffs, deeper team settings. We'll look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league, invite your friends, and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. If you're coming from another service, not a problem because Fantrax can easily import any of your current rosters and leagues and customize if needed. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake made during dropping a player? Well, Fantrax Commissioner Tools allow you to undo any move with one simple click. If there's anything lacking in your currently fancy league, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion that you won't want to miss. Send it for free at fantrax.com slash Rotowire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league. Plus, you get $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Tickets for your entire league, plus K dollars in cash. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing leagues for more chances to win. Go to Fantrax.com and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Uh, our cover boy, at least for this concept, is a wide receiver. And perhaps we are a bit more biased as Packer fans. But I really believe Romeo Dobbs is one of the better values right now out there. And he's going, I don't know, 12th? Thirteenth round ADP. I guess you have the actual numbers.
2: Yeah, wide receiver fifty-three, one twenty-five overall. So he yeah, actually one, he's somebody that maybe we cheated to bring him in, right? A little bit because he's probably going and everything. He's round. not late round. Yeah, he's he's not necessarily <laughs> late round, but still possibly double digit round, which is late round for some formats. So we're gonna cheat and get him in there. He's just the easy cover boy to throw in because I believe, like you do, Joe, that he's being criminally underdrafted at this at this point in time.
1: Yeah, it's um it's shocking. Jim Coventry and I had this conversation. Boy, a month ago, and uh, you know Jim's a smart guy. When he was like, "No, nah, I'm not really interested in Romeo Dobbs." I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I understand that if you look at the depth chart today, it's very easy to say in today's NFL, I want a team's wide receiver two, even if they're one of the worst passing teams in the league. Like, people are still going to draft Traylon Burks. Now if they have Hopkins. Burks is probably the wide receiver two. They're going to run the ball plenty, but they're still going to pass enough. I, I think you're getting like a three round discount on what Romeo Dobbs is. Quick poll for you, Jake. This is not on the, the show notes, so you might be horrendously wrong. That's great. I want horrendously wrong. Who on ESPN scoring, this is one point per reception, was wide receiver 30 last year? Or like, can you, can you guess a, a range of player? Because you could you could guess. There's a range of player last year that was wide, receiver, we, 30 wide receiver 30. A wide
2: receiver 30? Like... Smith Schuster?
1: Yes, yes, it's so funny. Smith Schuster <laughs> and Adam Thielen were thirty and thirty-one guys. No, he, this is not on the notes I at all. Oh I'm, I'm loving that Jake like was like, yeah, range of wide down to MBS,
2: But I'm like, no, because I ha- I had a lot of Smith Schuster on my team and he was <laughs> just serviceable enough, right? So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So Smith Schuster's line was more or less sixty catches, about eight hundred fifty yards, and five or six touchdowns. That was wide receiver thirty. Romeo Dobbs in his first six games would have put around the same pace as wide receiver 30 if he had played the entire season. Now, Mm -hmm. this was with Alan Lazard missing some time early in the season. Randall Cobb was out almost immediately. Christian Watson was dropping balls off his head. Like it was Romeo Dobbs as the only target in an Aaron Rodgers-led offense. But tell me how that's much different this year because Lazard is gone. Randall Cobb is gone. They don't have Robert Tunyon anymore. This is a Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs offense through and through. They drafted Jaden uh, Reed in the second round. Fine. They also have Luke Musgrave and uh, Tucker Craft, two rookie tight ends. I expect okay. Aaron
2: Jones to catch about 40 balls at least.
1: Yeah. And we've been saying this for years, right? And Aaron Jones does, but it's not enough. Like If Dobbs merely just plays 16 games of the season, I think he walks in to wide receiver 30 numbers. And again, you could plug this in whatever platform you want, but – 50 receptions, 800-plus receiving yards, four or five touchdowns. I think that's today's default in the NFL as a wide receiver, too. And more importantly, I don't think Dontavian Wicks or Samari Tuier are really going to be pushing his playing time. I think Dobbs and Watson, for better or for worse, are locked in as the team's pass catchers if they're healthy. And I think both are, are pretty easily projectable figures in offense that probably will be passing way less.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, worst case scenario, you get a steady five, 10 points every week, which, you know, isn't going to light up the scoreboards, but it'll be stable, right? Because this offense. I mean, listen. The defense should be better. Should be better in theory, you know, with the with the bodies and and de- and development on that team. But I still see this as a team that's going to have to pass quite a bit. I don't I don't know how much they'll be playing from ahead necessarily. And yeah, it's Watson and it's Dobbs and all. If you want to go with the narrative thing, the beat writer camp thing, it's all everything that I've seen. And we consume more Packers talent or content than anybody. It's that Dobbs and Love have a ton of chemistry together here. So so that's good. You have the track record of what he did during his rookie season assume some natural progression. Um, you know, you would assume a little natural regression, uh, you know, without working with Rogers, but then maybe some positive to bring that back up. If he really likes the guy he's working with in love. So um, I, I think we're going to see Dobbs outperform his ADP significantly. and I'd be willing to stretch around on him for sure.
1: Let's also just mention that we have now two years of practice time with Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs. Cause Rogers wasn't practicing much, if at all throughout the week. So it was yep. Jordan Love taking the number one, quarterback snaps and working with the number one receivers, which was Dobbs for two, two and a half months of the season. So I, I think that's, I think we're just, a lot of people are wrong about this overall. And I think he's easily a very comfortable wide receiver four or five from my roster. And it's much more the reason why I want to take a quarterback early on. And I'll get three or four running backs by round 10, because I know guys like Dobbs are later and will be contributors for my fantasy team. Uh, as it goes, you had the seventh late round flyer type receiver. Yep. It wasn't receiver. seventh the overall guy we listed. It's a cowboy, but it's not Brandon Cooks, who yep. actually I feel like is actually, uh, would qualify for me as a sleeper. He's going further than where he should be going. So who are you interested in?
2: Yeah, maybe I've just been on this uh, guy's hype train ever since he came out his second year in the league and had 1,100 yards. But uh, I'm going back to Michael Gallup, and he is way down the list. He's wide receiver 64, ADP 170. You know, And this is, of course, the theme of this show is long shots here. He's the guy I took right towards the end of Fishbowl. He might, he might even be free in drafts You know, because a lot of people think Cooks is uh, is going to be wide receiver 2 behind C D Lamb, right? Um, but I'm going to take Gallup because first I'm going to take the guy who has five years 60, around 60-ish games with Dak as opposed to a complete newcomer in Cooks, a newcomer that is going to be 30 in September and has been traded four times in his career, right? A couple times, maybe. This many times, something just isn't quite fitting there. So, um, you know, maybe it's circumstantial. I guess we'll see. But anyway, Gallup already has the chemistry established. He doesn't have to come in and work to make that happen, right? Gallup is 27 years old and he might finally be healthy. Remember last year he was coming back really only after eight months yep. from an ACL injury and never quite got into gear. Now he did have a little bit of off-season surgery, arthroscopic na- ankle-knee cleanups, far simpler. He, at least in his words, is saying that he's healthy and ready to go. And I think a fully healthy gallop can be – Especially with defenses all over C.D. Lamb, a fully healthy Gallup uh, can absolutely, uh, you know, could could get back to that eleven hundred yard type of production here for a price that's way, way down here. Now, of course, I always want to present the other side of the argument, right? And it is that Brian Schottenheimer is in now, and Kellen Moore is out. Um, You know, and and that change alone should mean more of a run focused offense, right? In theory, I am calling that right. But uh, you know, assuming they don't find a way to resign Zeke, I'm you know this kind of goes back to the Malik Davis argument we were discussing. Like, how much is Tony Pollard really going to handle? They're going to have to pass the ball uh, a little bit more than Schottenheimer maybe wants to necessarily here. So
1: I'm yeah, uh, and McCarthy, right? There's yeah, yeah, quotes that exactly. McCarthy want to be run oriented too. For what it's mm-hmm. worth, I think the Zeke uh, thing makes a big difference that he's not back from pass blocking part mm-hmm. of things. We don't know. I mean, I don't think Ronald Jones or Malik Davis are nearly as suited, although nobody was. Zeke was one of the best in terms of pass blocking. He's just a big body. He's strong. Yeah, and and he wasn't afraid to go get the block. Not that other running backs are, but you could could just see it. Mm -hmm. He was also good in the red zone. For for as much as you want to talk about his yards per carry being bad, Ezekiel Elliott, he was a good red zone target, a, a good guy that could find his way into the end zone. That has value in the league. It also, by the way, lowers your yards per carry like your mm-hmm. figures look worse when you're getting multi yeah, you're one getting yard carries you, you literally can't go further than one yard so it hurts your yards per carry so i actually mm-hmm. think um you look at the targets in the cowboys if they were to score more their offense is still going to be as good is it tony pollard getting those well maybe i guess he could malik davis Ronald jones i don't know i don't, I don't think so cd lamb's a really good receiver he probably has room to grow as a, a red zone specialist Brandon Cooks does not. you know, That's not what Brandon Cooks – I think Michael Gallup actually has a very confident and uh, mm-hmm. relative role as one of their best red zone threats. And if you assume the Cowboys offense will be good, that's where you and I differ. I don't. Yeah. Um, then Michael just, Gallup yeah. will be good in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in yeah. I mean,
2: Gallup was just on a career trajectory that he was going to be a breakout premier fantasy asset. And then he had some DAC injuries, and then he had some injuries of itself. I think if it comes all together, he can still be that 11, 1200-yard guy.
1: Yeah, and the other part of this, Noah Brown last year who was really at times – The team's number three receiver, 43 receptions, 555 yards. You know, like that's – I think Michael Gallup is a significantly better player than Noah Brown. And theoretically, Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb will take more of the opportunities away, but –
2: They still have a third-rounder in Jalen Tolbert around.
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah, who was almost immediately disappointing – in camp last year, yeah. but that that's a good point. That he, he caught he was two a passes
2: fact. all of last year. So even though he's got that third round pick take, why do you throw him out there when when you have an experienced guy like Gallup
1: available? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Are you uh, are you cool to transition to the tight ends? Yes,
2: absolutely. Just I, I'm going to do those quickly too.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I guess I would say I like Irv Smith a lot. We've mentioned it on past podcasts. Again, if you've been listening throughout the off season, I was saying that's one of my favorite ones. I will be structuring my lineup for the most part. Two fade tight ends. I'm, I'm not taking uh, the Evan Ingrams of the world. I'm not going to be going ahead and getting Pat Fryermuth very often. Definitely not in on Shiki Konku after the DeAndre Hopkins signing. So these tight ends are all ones that I'm targeting that we're going to mention here uh, as possible starters. And that's how confident I feel in Irv Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, Hayden Hurst at times last year was the Bengals' third target. We've had people in the chat say they're going to have three 1,000-year receivers. Uh, you know, Higgins is good. Jamar Chase is really good. Not confident Tyler Boyd's going to get all that workload. Uh, and I think Irv Smith, when he was healthy for the Vikings, wasn't just a run blocker. He was a very good intermediate catcher too. So I, I think Irv yeah. Smith, from a touchdown perspective, for the yarder that, yardage that he could pile up as a tight end too, a uh, guy that you could kind of say, all right, I'm going to get 8, 10 points out of, I love, love this year in a Bengals offense that's going to be really good.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing to dispute that. I look at that tight end depth chart over there. There isn't much behind him that's going to be a threat. He's someone that, again, has been has gotten a lot of hype in the past, and gets one injury, and all of a sudden, ooh, where did all that hype go? He's um, no, he's he's, he's had su- mild little bits. I mean, bits of success in the league before. In twenty twenty, he scored five touchdowns, and we all thought the breakout season was coming, right? And then uh, you know and then the injuries hit but he's a guy who is 24 years old 62 240 should be able to hold up um I, I'm, I'm with you there on him
1: um the other one well it's I guess it's twofold I'm in on a number of rookie tight ends who have been in more prominent roles than we've seen in quite some time like we had Kyle Pitts generational tight end uh, rookie guy who's going to start immediately OJ Howard I think synonymously the same thing gonna be generational uh, will start immediately. It doesn't happen all that often that we're going to see as many rookie tight ends relevant this year as we will. Sam Laporta is the first one, obviously, one of the first picks in the second round. Lions trade away TJ Hawkinson uh, at the trade deadline last year, have almost nothing to replace him. Sam Laporta walks in immediately as a starter for the team. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, I, we'll talk about in a second. I'll let you do your Laporta thing. because yeah, I'm with you yeah. on it.
2: So I don't even want to. Uh, I don't even want to take credit for this Laporta thing because you know, as as podcasters, right, we consume tons of fantasy content from all over the place, right? And uh, I don't think I can really say this any better than uh, how Yahoo's Andy Barron said it to Jim Coventry at the Fantasy Football Expo. I think it was this past weekend or, or a weekend mm-hmm. before that. Um, so I'm I'm going to pull this right from there. I I, I know that's a, that's a little lazy, but the point was excellent. That Laporta for the lions just has so much opportunity right we talk about you know it being a mix of skill and opportunity and i'm generally pretty rookie averse but in these drafts if i get past evan ingram i think evan ingram's maybe the last one i'm slightly comfortable taking otherwise you're looking at a complete crapshoot tight end nine through 25 right so anyway they pointed out that laporta uh or just that the lions in general um, that over that first stretch of the season between I think it was Hawkinson and Zilstra, they threw twelve touchdowns to their tight end mm-hmm. position combined. I mean there was uh, I mean and granted a lot of this was no names that nobody was going to start in fantasy. Rock Wright that was another but, one yes, too exactly. But this system does throw to the tight ends. Then you look at the old wide receiver depth chart over here. Jamison Williams he's going to miss some time. Marvin Jones is uh, is currently he's back there by the way back at the Lions currently on the non football injury list for unspecified reasons. He's a veteran, he can. That's that's his unspecified reason. Yeah, I guess so. But anyway, um, it is just Amonra St. Brown and Brock Wright, if you will. If Laporta can block well enough to get in that lineup, he'll be fine. If he can't, you can cut him before week one anyway, because he's a tight end too, right? That you don't really need on your roster for the most part. So uh, you know, thank thanks to Jim and Andy for leading me on to that one. And uh, you know, sometimes you just got you gotta give gotta give credit because I think that argument is pretty airtight.
1: Well, and I'll go one step further. Mario Puig has been talking about Sam Laporta before he was even drafted by the Lions and saying he has George Kittle-esque ability after the catch. And I think that's the really key part of this because if you're saying Laporta and Amon Ross St. Brown will continue to get targets in the middle of the field, well, it's going to be St. Brown, right? Like if you can only have one target in the middle of the field, fine. But Laporta is a field stretcher. Think Robert Tunyon peak year with the Packers where he's running down the middle of the field and cover two defenses and making the safety have to make a decision like Laporta can do that he can also split out wide and do some things after the catch like, I think he is a all-around tremendous target mm-hmm. and looking at that offense right now which we still expect to be pass heavy Jared Goff is being drafted on the top 18 quarterbacks this year Laporte is going to have to be a factor if people believe the Lions will be as good as they will this year and I I kind of tend to think the very least it won't be the Laporta's fault. Like he's going to be a factor offensively. I mentioned Dalton that, Kincaid. Yeah. to uh, say that in tight end university, right? Iowa. Yes. Yes. That yeah, the other part of that too, where the, the Kittle factor comes in. Uh there were reports early on, obviously the first round tight end in Dalton Kincaid was going to be a slot receiver for the Bills. And I kind of am intrigued by that idea. Now, the only reason you're doing that is if you want your run offense to be better. Like, why are you putting out a six foot four guy at 250 pounds at slot receiver unless you want to block better? But I think the Bills do want to run more. I mean, that's been an issue for them over past seasons is that they can get out to these great leagues. Think about the Packers game last year. They couldn't put it away because they couldn't run the ball. Maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe it's because guys like Devin Singletary is, or carry the ball. But I think having better personnel is a factor too. I actually expect Dalton Kincaid to be uh, a slot target for them this season. I don't mind where his price tag is right now as a tight end 15. Going deeper, and I'm thinking like, not even underdog best balls, but even deeper than that. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, one of them is going yeah. to be irrelevant. Rookie tight end for the Packers this season. It's just a matter of guessing which one's correct. Uh Michael Mayer for the Raiders, can he beat up Austin Hooper? Uh, Jake, you might be able to beat out Austin Hooper at this point uh in your respective ooh, careers. Ooh, I don't to know my
2: six second flat floor. Report. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, well,
1: that's you're not gonna be expected to do much more. Austin Hooper can't run that much faster. I, I think Michael Mayer's an interesting target as well. Um and we've well, had the, the chat. Uncle
2: Ted, he brings up. I, I like the point that he brings up. Uh, Dawson Knox. I, you know, rookie tight ends. You, you know, you have your issues, right? I'd take Laporta over Kincaid personally, and I don't know. If no, that's
1: that, and I, that, most people that, are that's that's, that
2: high of a, a hot of a take there. But uh, Kincaid has Knox, who they paid, and who is an effective red zone target already here now.
1: But if and, they're using Kincaid as a slot receiver. You can I, I also just, have Dawson Knox out there. I
2: just don't necessarily see how that's going to happen when you've already got Diggs and Davis. And I think Khalil Shakir could have easily Khalil Shakir could have easily made that the wide receiver long tosses at the end there. I don't know about two tight ends in the offense here, but
1: I I'm not ruling it out. I guess I I'm not ruling that one out. I like kick a uh, relative as value, And I don't think Dawson Knox is anything more than a red zone threat. So that's fine. Big contract or not. Um, we also had in the chat. People mentioned Luke Schoonmaker. I'm going to say right now. no, uh, I think that that actually is a horrible uh, late round pick. And again, I I do the NFFC thirty round best ball every single year. I got uh, Daniel Bellinger in round twenty seven in that draft because no one knew who the Giants' starting tight end was going to be, and it wasn't going to be. Uh, man, I'm even blanking who it was at the time. So fine, you could probably get Schoonmaker in round twenty seven in the NFFC uh, best ball draft. Like that, you might be able to do that. Jake yeah. Ferguson is a good tight end. Like Owen Daniels level good. I'm I'm in, there's nothing more confident <laughs> from a We're UW fan near perspective. Hall
2: of Fame level there. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'll be the first to admit when I don't know enough about a situation to give a valid opinion here. Um I do not have I have zero opinion on Schoonmaker. Or whatever. Or uh, like, I, well, know. I can tell you because I, you know. I, I wrote his note actually oh.
1: on the RotoWire site while the draft was going on. Mm-hmm. Blocking heavy guy, uh, yep. bigger body. It's more like he's fine. But Jacob mm-hmm. Ferguson is yep. really good. So is Peyton Hendershot, yep. who, who actually had some snaps and opportunities. We talked about in a few podcasts late last year. As a guy that was getting some red zone touchdowns. And they had schemed some plays for him. You know how we had the Greg Dulcich, Albert Equipment thing last year. I think and we're all like, getting it wrong with Schoonmaker just because he's a sexy third-round pick. It's Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot that are going to make up for Dalton Schultz and uh, him I mean, signing I, with the I think
2: Dulcich will be... Fine for some games, not all games. I think Chi will be fine for some games, not all games. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins really – that kind of brings him down with the available targets there. And I will note that I did take uh, Matthew Mayer in round 17 of the Fishbowl as my tight end three. He doesn't need to go off the board in 12-team redraft
1: leagues. So. Right. And – okay, great. Michael Mayer's slow, right? That was the knock on him. The ran a slow 40. Mm-hmm. So is Mark Andrews. Uh, and I was saying that my, I'm not saying Mark Andrews and Michael Mayer are going to have the same role offensively, but Mayer was – widely touted as one of the best tight end prospects in some time. I guess not not Kyle Pitts, but after Kyle Pitts, right? Like a better Kyle Rudolph, which was a first round pick many years ago. I don't mind that Michael Mayer thing, even though I'm lower on him than Musgrave and Laporta and Kincaid. Like I think he's pretty low in my rookie tight end rankings, but it goes to show just how deep that position is. And I think especially after really the Evan Ingram, Pat Fryermuth, muth Conku range. You can pick whoever you want that's going to finish as a low on tight end one, and you might be right. And I, I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to probably spe- spread my shares out pretty significantly to try and guess which one it is. But we're going to have lots of conversation, Jake, throughout the season as to who fits into these tight end categories. And uh mm-hmm. excited to dive into that uh, more with you. Before we hit the end of the show, is there anything you want to talk about the app or – yeah. Uh, Podcast, you know, sponsorship. Like for that. the
2: next couple of weeks, I'm going to continue to mention our uh, our most easy, convenient product that we can offer: the cheat code. I'll continue to say the cheat code to get in the full RotoWire football package. In a way, uh, you know, again, it's just it's just draft kit season, draft season stuff. But the cheat code to getting a whole bunch of our content for eight bucks is the uh, 2023 RotoWire fantasy football draft kit on iOS devices. Here, you put all you can manage as many leagues as you need to. You put all of your custom settings in. Get custom auction values custom rankings run mock drafts with the app um 8 bucks in the in, in the uh, iOS app store there in the Apple app store so give it a run for your iPhone or iPad it's uh, you know especially if you don't want to lug a computer to draft day um the the dang magazine you were going to buy cost eight dollars anyway right and (laughs) then this this app comes in and you can download player data right before your draft get all the latest injury detail information all the latest news on your players you'll be a full outlook for every fantasy relevant player on there and a bunch of our articles sneak in there too as well as a few other features odds and ends so eight bucks man it's a cheat code go ahead and get that of course we'd love for you to subscribe to the full RotoWire website and continue to get assistance from us throughout the entirety of the fantasy football season here. But if you just need a hand with your draft, if you're coming in cold and need a custom list, even if, if your league is even the slightest different scoring settings, people ask what's the number one thing in fantasy that you can, the number one bit of advice, I'd say know your league scoring setting and draft off a list that is based on your league scoring setting. Because, you know, the simplest example is PPR versus non-PPR. But I see people throwing in points per rush, points per complete completion first downs wacky defense scoring um you know the difference between two wide receivers and three wide receivers or multiple flexes all that is huge and the app's going to help you figure all of that out so rant over eight bucks cheat code go ahead and get the app it's the 2023 rotowire fantasy football draft kit app that is for ios devices
1: the Hart foundation said in the chat "I'll parrot him uh this is relative to Taysom hill when he was a quarterback listed as a tight end cheat code. That's that's how important the Roto-Wire app is right now yes, uh, exactly. and what it could be. So It's the Taysom
2: all, Hill of fantasy sports apps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. That does it for us on this edition of the roto Fantasy Football Podcast.